Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. My name is Trainer Chip Ritchie, joined here by my friend and co-host, Azul GG, fresh back from Worlds. What's up, Azul? How we doing? How was London, man? Uh, London was great. London was great for sure. Uh, yeah, we did miss an episode last week, unfortunately. Uh, but my last week has actually been pretty bad. Just jet lag has been kicking my butt really bad. Like, I actually never had jet lag this bad, I don't think. Like, it affecting me. I think I just, like, underestimated it and took one too many naps in the first couple <laughs> days back from London, and that screwed me up. Oh, this nap the next totally won't following. mess me up. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even that long of a nap, but I took it, and then I just couldn't get to sleep. I don't know. It was just kind of like a, a domino effect. Um, but uh, I'm recovered now. The last couple of days, I've, I think I'm back on track, so I'm all good to go. So besides the the jet lag stuff, everything's been getting getting back to normal for me with content and everything. But you had a pretty exciting week, Chip. Why don't you let the viewers know what you've been up to the last uh, the last couple of days? Yeah, man, I did have a pretty crazy week. So as we've been talking about for the last uh, few episodes now, uh, my wife and I were expecting, and our son was born on Wednesday, August the twenty fourth at seven twenty five p.m. Uh, we are very thankful and blessed and happy. He is doing great. My wife is doing great as well. It was, uh, yeah, it's a wild time, man. It is uh, hard to put into words kind of like my thoughts and emotions around the whole thing. I was telling you this before we started recording, but like, you know, mentally leading up to expecting a child to be born, it's like I had done all the preparation I knew how to do. Like we talked about things and uh, you know, got nursery set up. We bought all kinds of stuff for him that we would know we were going to be needing. Um, and then it's like the second he was born, it just like something felt, you know, it was like I, w I had done all that preparation, but it was like in that moment when he was born, um, just m things felt different to me about like my life and uh, <laughs> what, like, you know, what it, I don't know. It's just it's hard to put into words, man. And I think dads out there who are listening maybe will understand a little bit. But yeah, that little dude is amazing. Um, my wife is amazing as well. Big shout outs to Brooke uh, for, you know, just being such a great mom already. We're kind of struggling through the first week here of being parents, learning a lot of things. But, you know, that's part of the process. Right. Um, but yeah, baby's healthy. Mom is healthy. Um it was a little bit early, so she was induced into labor, but everything – so that adds like a couple complications just kind of naturally, but everything is really gone pretty spectacularly, so we are very blessed in that regard. So, yeah, we did miss a week, like Azul said. Uh, we yeah. did not put out an episode last week. He came back from Worlds Tuesday, and we had talked about recording that – or sorry, you came back Monday, and we had talked Monday, about yeah. recording that Monday night, but you landed, and I guess you were just like – way yeah. to beat to record <laughs> I was, an episode yeah, right rough. yeah um so we were yeah. like okay we'll release the episode on wednesday and so we were just going to record on tuesday and on tuesday my wife got admitted into the hospital to <laughs> be induced <laughs> into labor so yeah the episode ended up not happening last week so we apologize but i thank you in advance for understanding as there was a lot going on but yeah we uh a lot of exciting things happening in life right now but we're not here to talk about those things. We've got a ton of Pokemon stuff to talk about. So much 
has happened in the last two weeks. I honestly feel like in two weeks time, probably three episodes worth of content has come yeah. through the Pokemon community. We've got world stuff. We've got regionals announced. We've had drama. There's all kinds of stuff happening in the Pokemon community as well. Why don't you break down kind of what we're going to talk about today, though, in today's episode, because we're definitely not going to be able to cover everything. Yeah, unfortunately, not going to get to everything this week. And you guys know who to blame. Blame young Chip uh, or mini Chip. <laughs> yes, yes. I guess I should say my son. He is Samuel Frederick Ritchie V. So Fifth. I may be exposing myself a little bit here, but my real name is actually not Chip for anyone <laughs> <laughs> who didn't know. But yeah, uh, I've gone by Chip my entire life. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, so get to blame Samuel the Fifth for no episode last week. You guys know who to blame. People were in my Twitch chat being like, yeah, why is there no uh, Uncommon Energy uh, episode this week? And I was like, I had to push it back a week. Uh, but yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about. Today, uh, in the episode today, we're going to be covering uh, you know, the world's results. Obviously, we haven't talked about worlds yet, um, so we're going to talk about that. Of Definitely. course, we'll have, uh, I guess, that flavor text. Um, and then regionals, they've announced a lot about it so far. Not everything, um, but the schedule's basically here. They did add uh, a couple to the schedule after the announcement. So there might be more to come. There's definitely more to come for other regions outside of North America, but for North America, North America specifically, I guess we don't know for sure if we have all of them yet or not. Um, and then and a little bit of drama about the first regionals already. <laughs> the first regionals hasn't even happened yet. And we've got some drama to go with it. Baltimore regionals is coming up in two and a half weeks ish about. So already super soon. I wish there was like a little bit more of a time break, but there's not. So we're gonna be talking about that as well. A little bit of drama around, Baltimore regionals, uh, I guess, unfortunately, but, you know, uh, we're going to talk about it uh, anyway. So I guess we'll kick off with, uh, you know, talking about, you know, worlds. And uh, I'll start with kind of covering my uh, experience at the championships because I was there. Chip, unfortunately, not able to make it um, because he has to deal with real life stuff like having a kid. Uh, <laughs> <Lame>. <laughs> but I was there and uh, Are you wearing your world's cool. hat. I am, yes. Oh, nice. Just, uh, for anyone on YouTube. The competitor hat. I like it. Um, actually, I don't know. I don't know if there's... This is not the competitor one. I don't know if there is a competitor one. There might be. If it is, it's in my It's in my bag. Um, <laughs> this is one of the ones you could get at the, the Pokemon Center. Unless it is the competitor one, and I actually just don't know the difference. I, I know this is not the one from my bag. That's all I know. <laughs> I am sorry that I sidetracked your ADD brain. Continue on. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I was at Worlds, um, and the venue. I, I really like London. I'm a big fan of London, despite some of the memes I put out on Twitter. I'm a big fan of London. I like. I, I guess old architecture is the main like draw thing. It reminds me a little bit of Boston. I'm originally from Boston, so there's a lot of old buildings in Boston. I like Boston um, as well for like that reason. So, uh, but the venue was super sick. The Excel, the Excel uh, London Excel Center is a a great venue. It's a super sick venue. Um, and London in general, great public transportation. There was some strikes going on, but it didn't really affect me personally because I was very close to the venue as far as where I was staying. Uh, I'm sure some people got affected though, for sure, especially people who were trying to do like more touristy type things as well. I didn't do, I did most of that like the the days I got in, the first couple of days I got in. So um, that didn't affect me at all. But yeah, the, the venue was sick. The whole setup was sick. Um, they had like a really cool, like this, the main stage was in a really cool area where it was kind of like, there was like the upper level and then it kind of just like dipped down towards the main stage and you had to like walk down a bunch of stairs and there's a big like it was kind of like almost like a kind of like don't like a, it was like you were almost in like a, a half stadium kind of thing um down there so that was pretty sick 
Uh, and the main stage was super sick. The, I was on stream on round three, so I got to go on the main stage. The main stage was super sick. They had all the setups on there for, you know, Unite and uh, Pokemon Go and VG and TCG. So, um, yeah, the overall, the whole the whole venue was super sick. And they also had, uh, uh, I guess, like the coolest thing about the everything they were kind of doing in the general area is there's a gondola that takes you from one side of the river to the other. And the gondolas were Pokemon themed, um, which was super, Twitter. super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So those, we rode in those. Uh, I got I rode in those one night when I went over to the O2 Center, which is on the other side of the river. So that was super cool um, to see them doing stuff like that with uh, with the stuff in the area. And then there was also like the Pokemon Go uh, court area thing um, where they were like doing a, some activities out there. They're giving out like free boba tea and cookies, and then they had like face painting and stuff like that. So um, that was super dope. We have like the whole area in general was kind of pokied up they had like a huge monitor on the outside of the excel center where they were not only showing footage of the games that were being played uh on the main stage but they also premiered a movie i believe at some point an unseen like an unreleased pokemon movie some of it i think that's what i heard like a preview. i was yeah i was not there for that um, but I saw a picture on Twitter, I think, of that happening. And there was a bunch of chairs set up in front of it at some time. I wasn't there for when it was happening, but the chairs weren't there the whole weekend. So there was definitely something happening. That's what I heard. It was like a preview of a new unreleased um, Pokemon movie. Uh, and also the Pokemon Center. They actually went like all out. This is the most I've ever seen them go. Like all This is as far as all out goes. The Pokemon Center, they went all. The line... <laughs> it was, the line the first day was quite a fiasco. We, uh, me and the uh, me and my friends had a pretty early time slot for the first day, so we were in the front, in the midst of the crowd, uh, at the front of the line uh, the first day, and it was pretty bad. I was sweating. <laughs> it was hot. <laughs> there was not a whole ton of coordination going on. Um, there was like a million ways they could have done it better. They definitely did it better on the following days after what was that wednesday um i want to say they definitely did it I better right, after yeah. then but uh it was not hard to have done it better initially so that was a pretty big mess up on their part they definitely fixed it after that and it didn't seem like there was any kind of huge line mob thing going on after that but it definitely could have been avoided pretty easily i think so that was definitely a, a mess up but the pokemon center itself was pretty sick it was a huge like kind of area that you could kind of walk through and they had a bunch of different products and like um official uh merch like pokemon not just pokemon merch but like world's merch you know shirts and dice and hats and all that kind of stuff so and it was a huge kind of like walk through area where they had a bunch of stuff and different stuff in different areas so the they really went all out for the uh Pokemon Center. I can only ma imagine how much money they must have made oh, from the man. Pokemon Center. It was, I mean, it was packed. It seemed pretty packed the most of the weekend. So I can only imagine. But yeah, no, the, the the venue was sick. The whole setup that they had there was sick with the Excel Center, um, and it was a great time. We definitely missed you, Chip. Uh, hopefully, you can make it out to the uh, to the next one. Definitely was a bummer, man. And it, I mean, it was you know, obviously there wasn't really a you know, a hard decision to be made, but it was just kind of one of those things. It was like, <laughs> yeah, I really wish I was there. Like seeing all these pictures of the things you're describing now, seeing them on Twitter, people sharing, you know, uh, all the stuff on the stage, the world square outside, um, the Pokemon center, everything just seemed like 
they went above and beyond with the budget this year as far as like they really they made up for the fact that there was not a worlds for the past couple of years and put it all into this one uh, it seemed like it was a really cool place to have been for this event. And I actually wanted to ask you a little bit. You talked about like kind of the the stage setup, how it was like in a, like a dome, half of a, you know, like half of a stadium almost, right? Yeah. Because uh, I, I mean, saw like some of the shots. Stadium, but... I, I saw some like pictures on on uh, on Twitter and stuff of like you know how much seating there was. It really looked like there was like a pretty sizable amount and. For the finals day, for pretty much all of the games, it looked like it was relatively full as well. Like, people were really kind of loaded in there to watch. At least, I guess, by the time I got to Masters, TCG finals, maybe not as much so in the early morning uh, matches. But um, it seems like people were really loaded in there and hyped. And I can't imagine that, like, kind of... Did you end up going back for, like, kind of those finals days um, and, and watch how it all played out? Um, or were you playing in the Open still that, that day on Sunday? Uh, I didn't really watch anything. Um, we were, I was at the, I was in that area just for the opening ceremony, um, but at the at the end ceremony, I strategically placed myself uh, towards the exit. <laughs> as so you the, can see as what was the, happening and dip. <laughs> and then, yeah, because before the swarm kind of left, and it was actually you no know, like the the you couldn't get down. Like we, I, even if I wanted to get down in that area, I couldn't. Like it was packed. Um, by the time that's uh, it was getting close to the end ceremonies, like throughout probably most of the. The, the VG probably it was probably packed for all of VG probably packed for at least Masters TCG so yeah there was like a line to try and get down towards the um towards that area towards the towards the stadium like area so yeah I couldn't even get down there if I wanted to for the end but yeah I strategically placed myself towards the exit as uh, as the closing ceremonies were were coming to an end um for sure but yeah no it was uh it was pretty sick yeah this this whole stage setup they had down there was super super sick for sure. Yeah, the open. I was playing in the open at that point, so got it. Open one a while. So, in speaking of playing, um, you played at the World Championships. So, the, as we talked about in the last few episodes, obviously it was a day one, day two, and then day three sort of competition. Where day three just being kind of the final top cut, playing yeah, down to almost, uh, the the final match. We almost had enough players for the plus five. We were seventeen, seven short. It was seven or seventeen. It was pretty close. Yeah. Um, so we almost had enough players to get the the plus five, which um, would definitely be cool to see for sure. It does feel a little bit, especially at the World Championships, it does feel a little bit kind of cut short as far as the rounds go. Like it's you don't really play that many rounds for sure. Um, but yeah, I ended up uh, uh, you know top thirty two in the in the main event. I got to play on stream, which is sick against Miloslav. Uh, I tied that round, and then it kind of went all downhill. From there, I actually remember like as I was exiting the, exiting the stage, what went through my head is like, I think at, with that tie, I've just entered a bad timeline. And then I hit a Reggie deck in the next round with Paths of the Peaks. Um, and even though I had the Empoleon in my Ice Rider deck, you know, the Paths of the Peaks, you know, I was able to actually hide the Empoleon until game three, which was, which was, which was cool. Um, is that something so, like, you went first... in like in those type of situations where it's like it feels like it might be a tough matchup? Uh, is that how you try to approach it when the opportunity presents itself? Like if your hand plays out in a way that yeah. you can play to hide it, is that something you really try to go after? Yeah, so basically game one, I lost pretty quickly and I, I decided just not to show it in that game. In the game two, I was like, okay, I'm going to start by attacking with, I forget if I opened up with Palkia or Ice Rider as my main attacker first, but I was like, I'm just going to start attacking and if if I can just win this game without it, if they get the, the KO this turn, I'm going to use the Empoleon immediately. But if I can, if I get ahead on the price trade far enough, and through a couple like strategic KOs of KO and you know the correct Pokemon, the correct situations, I was able to maintain my prize lead to win the game too. Um, so when I drew my 
uh, third prize card. I was like, okay, if they whiff the KO this turn, I just go attacker, attacker, attacker. And then I don't need Empoleon anymore. And they whiffed. And I was like, all right, cool. Now they don't know about my Empoleon yet. And so in game one and game two, they're super aggressive with their path to the peaks, discarding them, putting them in play. So in game three, I was like, okay, if they're equally aggressive like that, then maybe I can pull out uh, this win. And they were off the start. You know, they put one in play immediately. I got out like a turn two Empoleon. Uh, and of course, they didn't see it coming. And then they immediately had the path to the peak <laughs> the next path to the peak to respond to it so um yeah definitely went out of my way to try and hide it for game three got to the game three had it hidden but they still played path and were still able to find them so i lost there and then i had a pretty rough whiff in the next well, round I guess before we get too much oh, farther into this uh you should probably just talk about your deck choice process like oh how, true 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 yeah what, what deck you ended up playing because not everyone necessarily watched your live stream game so what, what did you play why did you choose to play it uh, or what were some of like the things you were considering as well as you were prepping? Because you were already playing in day two. Day one had yeah. happened, so you got to kind of see a little bit play out. Were you already pretty sold on what you wanted to play before day one happened? Or did anything that happened in day one change what you wanted to do? Um, yeah, w like Mewtwo v. Union was definitely a consideration um, that got kind of uh, pushed out once we saw people playing the Grabominable in Palkia. So that was one of them. So I ended up, pl we ended up, play I ended up playing Ice Rider v. Barrel Palkia in the end um and the other considerations were were the mewtwo v union deck which got pushed out after the meta and then our second choice um was actually flying pikachu uh b barrel um i don't know what list we kind of would have ended up on we definitely wouldn't have been playing decidueye or anything like that probably would have been pretty similar to something like i had played at uh naic um, but that was our second choice but uh uh when we kind of talked about it and we looked at what happened in day one and the in day one it was like 50 percent was palkia it was actually insane it was like 54 percent or something ridiculous like that is absurd um yeah a lot <laughs> it's of just crazy um uh we talked about it we were like we definitely wanted to bring something different that we felt had a slight edge against palkia um and then you know something that we felt like could handle a majority of the meta and uh it did end up winning our spreadsheet as well, like Ice Rider, the Ice Rider Palkia B-Barrel. Um, maybe a little bit inflated from Grant's uh, opinion, but I think even when I toned his uh, win percentages down a little bit, it was still the number one deck on our spreadsheet. So we are like, all right, let's run it. Um, seems pretty good. And we did pretty well. Like I, I got top 32. Uh, Grant got 11th with the deck. Uh, and then Caleb bubbled, unfortunately, out of the top 32. Had the 5-2-1 record, same as me, but ended up in the top... 37 area somewhere i think is that what it was so unfortunate that caleb wasn't able to get in the top 32 with me and grant but i think still pretty good showing for uh the three of us playing the deck um so i think the deck choice was solid i felt pretty confident like every round like i didn't feel like there was any deck i was scared to play against i guess except for mew but mew is not a deck that i think was super popular in the day two um then like i said i unfortunately hit that reggie gigas with the with the pats of the peak um which is not good i did beat a gigas in the open with uh without pats of the peak it's a little bit easier when they don't have the pats of the peak For sure um and then after that round i hit a i hit a palkia and i had some unfortunate wish i just couldn't find an energy on on my last turn of the game that would have got me that win and who knows where i could have gone from there but i took a loss in that one and so that I was two two one yeah two two one yeah and i managed to get three more wins after that um didn't play against anything too crazy or anything just strung together three wins after that to settle for a top 32 placement so not what i wanted definitely want to try and push for you know top cut contention whether that be solidly in top eight or someone on the play-in with the asymmetrical cut um wasn't able to pull that off this time around um but definitely going to try and and push for that uh 
in the in the next one. And then in the, I played the same deck in the uh, the open as well and got one twenty eight. So um, I think that's really to solid, start though. the season off is not too bad. Yeah, hopefully replace that finish, but maybe it'll matter for like a stipend or something. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Well, congratulations, Azul. I know uh, I told you this before as well. Like I know you're a fierce competitor, and you definitely want <laughs> more for yourself. You uh, you know aim high for those wins and those top eights and stuff like that. But getting top thirty two in the world is pretty dang good. You should definitely be proud of it. So congratulations, man. Super happy for you. Yeah, I'll I'll settle for it. For uh, this time around. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to ask, I guess, before we really move on. So once you get to that point of like two, two and one, um, does it really feel do you feel kind of like deflated in that moment? And do you how do you like kind of dial it back in to focus up? Because playing for top 32 is still super relevant. I mean, because top 32 gets fifteen hundred bucks plus a bunch of sw- extra swag, the top 32 bag, the champions festivals, all that stuff like there's a bunch worth playing for. Um, so even though you know you're out of cut, how do you kind of dial it back in and just like focus up? Um, I mean, for me, what usually happens, is I usually like need a couple rounds to get to push for that. Like it was definitely deflating, like, you know, hitting the Reggie with path to the peak. And I was like, all right. And then I whiffed really bad against the Palkia. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I probably would have lost my next round if my opponent, like I, I was not playing that well. I was kind of like zoned out, just kind of playing Pokemon not checking my prize cards or anything like that. If my opponent didn't misplay pretty poorly in both games in the next round, I probably would have lost that one and been out. And I wouldn't have like been too beat up about it because it was like once I was out of contention for top eight, I was just kind of like, it's whatever at this point. I'm obviously going to play for top 32. But um, but then after I got that win, uh tried a little bit harder my next win. And then, you know, I was dialed back in for for the top 32 winning in or whatever you want to call it in the last round. So, um, but yeah, I definitely was out of it after that after at the point where i was no longer in contention for for top eight for sure definitely a bummer but just took a couple rounds to get it it just that's the way it is for me usually it just takes me a couple rounds to get back into it like if i if i'm at a regional in day two and i go out of contention for top eight like i just i almost just don't care anymore like obviously (laughs) you get you know 500 bucks if you get top 16 but like i'm there to try and win the tournament and once i can no longer win the tournament it, it does matter like i'm still gonna try from that point on but i definitely I definitely just care less, which is something I definitely want to try and fix. Like, it'd be nice to, you know, and, you know, it'd be nice to end a season with instead of, you know, a couple top 32s and top 64 finishes at regionals being like top 16 or top eight, like every single regional you go to, right? So, like, yes. that would be nice to, you know, have that extra extra placements, of course. You know, it definitely looks better to be in the top 16 of more tournaments than top 64. So, definitely, definitely I mean, try it and... is hard to get top 16 at these regionals, especially when they have a thousand people at them, you know? Like, yeah. that's a lot of people to try to be better than on a specific day or, like, you know, have hit the better matchups, whatever it may be. That's true. It's just true for sure, so. Well, we've definitely got plenty to talk about when it comes to the meta at Worlds. So, we heard what you played, the... Ice Rider, Palkia, Bibarel deck. Definitely pretty unique, something that uh, Grant had been kind of hyping up, who is someone you ended up testing with, and um, also played the deck to an 11th place finish, like you said. And you guys had one of the more interesting decks in Cup, but there was, or sorry, in Top 32, I should say, but there was definitely some other really notable things. Before we dive into the Top Cut specifically, what were some of the standouts for you from top 32? Obviously there was a ton of Palkia represented here in top 32. And is that pretty representative yeah. of like what the actual day two field was of the 200 something players as well? Yeah. I mean, obviously like when 54% of day one was playing Palkia, 
a lot of those players, I think, who made it to day two with Palkia probably just played Palkia again. So that was already going to be a large number of Palkia players. And then you had like Bradner and crew playing Palkia. Um, Australians were playing Palkia as well. Um, and then everyone else playing Palkia. Like it's just, yeah, there was just a lot of Palkia in Telling. I think like every table was playing. There was a Palkia at like every table, like in every match, almost every match. It was just a, it was Pretty just wild. a lot of Palkia, <laughs> a lot of Palkia. And if you didn't, if it wasn't Palkia and Telion, the deck you were playing against still maybe had Palkia. One of the one of the cooler decks to be in, you know, the top thirty-two uh, was Medi and Miloslav with the. And I played against Miloslav on on stream round three or lunch break round three. Was their their Palkia, Jolteon deck where it was kind of like a a more aggressive Palkia deck, and then you just have a two-two Jolteon in there to shut down the Intellion engines from from decks. Or you had like me. And Grant with the the Palkia Ice Rider. So there's still like even when it wasn't Palkia and Teleon, there were still so many decks with uh with Palkia in general. Definitely. I mean the card is just that good, right? Two energy, a ton of damage, a lot of HP, a really good ability, just kind of a yeah. recipe for a pretty powerful card. Um so yeah, besides the Palkias, there's a ton of other interesting things here. Kind of the stuff you would expect. Um, a little bit less on the Arceus Intellion, which was one of the big two decks that people were kind of talking about coming in. I believe actually only two of those ended up making top 32, though. Was that yeah. something you were a little surprised by or maybe a little bit more expected? Um, I guess I, I did play against two. Uh, well, I guess I played against Burt round one, who was playing more of a Charizard based build. I kind of I kind of like think of it as like Tempo Arceus. Where it's like you just swing aggressively with Arceus early, and then Charizard's kind of your closer. Um, and then I did play against like a more traditional Arceus and Teleon uh, at some point as well. I'm not really too surprised. Like the Palkia matchup is unfavorable, and I think it just it's just taken people time to realize that. Um, so we had to go through the the whole thing with NAIC, where it was like a 50-50 split, um, and then a bunch of online tournaments where Arceus and Teleon was still being you know the second most played deck. And then you saw people on Twitter who were like, kind of like no, it's 50-50 or slightly favored. And it was like, everyone's trying to fight for Arceus and Teleon. But like, when you get two really good players and sit down and play the match against Arceus and Teleon versus Palkia and Teleon, Palkia comes out on top, like, you know, 55, 60% of the time, right? Like, it is just favorable. And Palkia just is the better deck, right? It can just handle more situations better than Arceus and Teleon can um, and more matchups and more unknown um for sure so it's not really a huge surprise to me that it didn't do well actually like leading into the actual day of competition i was like kind of uh you know that's something i was bringing up to my group was just like i don't think arcus italian is going to be very popular and it definitely just won't do very well so if you get past if you get to like round three the chance of you hitting an arcus italian is like not going to happen right uh, which is one of the things you can factor into your kind of deck choices like once you get to a certain point in the tournament the win rate of a deck is going to hurt where it actually sits in your chance to hit a deck and so yeah not too surprised that there was only two in uh in the the top two, I think a lot of people finally came around on on how good the deck actually is in the in the meta in general. Something I was a little surprised by was to see two Reggie Gigas in the top thirty two. There was a Japanese player uh, called Tomoki Masuda, and then also Pablo Meza, aka Tablemon, content creator in the space, someone we both know well, a very good player, someone who's had a lot of success at the World Championships. I believe top four in two thousand five and um top eight in 2008 and i i know he top eighted in 2017 i believe it was 2008 as well um yeah i've played the reggie gigas which is something that 
uh, you know, was kind of under the radar, maybe. It was something that, like, was really popular kind of at the start of the Asteroidians format. Definitely fell off quite a bit. It did gain a little bit with the Pokestop from the Pokemon Go set, but not everyone was necessarily playing it. As you said, you played against Regigas, who uh, was still playing the Path to the Peaks, which was previously popular before Pokestop came. Yeah, and actually, actually, Masuda is the player I played against. I just, ah. like, checked to confirm. I was like, I'm pretty sure it was Masuda. Yeah, so one with Pokestop. Pablo was playing the Pokestops and one without. Um... I was like a little bit interesting. Rahul Reddy actually also was someone who also played uh, Reggie, I believe, at the event. Um, so there was like a couple players just all of a sudden like being like, all right, it's Reggie time for some reason. <laughs> for like, some reason. I, I was surprised. I don't think the deck's that good. I don't think it was good enough to, to Reggie time. Uh, so I don't know why uh, people brought it to the tournament, to be honest. But um, if maybe it's just your deck and it's just something you want to play, then sure, go for it. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't I mean, know. It does I don't feel like it why. has a pretty good Palkia matchup, though, right? Like uh, it's like it's like fifty fifty. I think it's actually slightly unfavored if they if they played the Jammer. I think it's just unfavorable. Um, sure. You don't even need the. But beforehand, it was just bad because people had the Temple of Sinnoh, so they could do the whole Temple of Sinnoh, double cross switcher up your Regidrago, Jammer knockout. Good luck. Um, so now they don't have the Sinnoh, but even without the Sinnoh, it's still a pretty it's still like a 50 50 to slightly unfavored um so that's like the problem with reggie's like your pocket matchup is not favorable it's not like a, okay yes i hit the pocket it's like all right we hit pocket let's see how this goes um yeah so that was definitely one i was really interested to see there's still a few muse sprinkled in here as well several i think three yeah. in the top 32 plus one more that was in the top eight andre chiasan who of course has played it a ton this season done very well with it and then Ended up making top eight at Worlds with it. We'll talk a little bit more about Andre's list uh, in the top eight section. But um, Mew, you know, for a deck that kind of started the season as the big bad deck to beat, really, as we moved into Worlds, it felt like it had favored out or fallen out of favor. You know, Palkia is just so good, so consistent, so powerful. It's hard to justify choosing to play Mew instead. Some people did choose to play it still and, uh, you know, still did pretty decently. Um, Gabe Smart also getting top 32. He's also someone who's played it a ton this season, I believe. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it, the meta was just getting better for me overall. I and mean, we even saw some Palkia players, namely the Australians, cutting path to the peak, which is like one of the win conditions for Palkia in that matchup is Roxanne Path. Um, so, I mean, people were just like, not disrespecting Mew, but just like respecting it less. It wasn't like, oh, it's 25% of the meta or 20% of the meta. You have to beat it. It's like, well, if I don't hit it all, all in this tournament when it's only 10% of the meta, then that's kind of fine if my deck is good against everything else, right? Um, and we still saw quite a few players still have, like Palkia always has a fine matchup against Mew without the Roxanne Path combo. It's like favored without Roxanne Path, and I think it's like 50-50, I would say, probably without it. Um, as long as like the Mew player is playing the catcher build, which I was just super surprised to see that Andre chose not to play the catchers because um, I feel like that is such a big deal in the Palkia matchup. Like when you go second, if you're just like turn one Meloetta or Psychic Leaping a, you know, a Manaphy or a Sobble, you're usually not in a pretty good spot. But if you can catch or KO the Palkia, that's where you can kind of stay on even footing with them. So, um, but yeah, Andre sticking to... Uh, Sticking to just the boss's orders, I know they've been like a big fan of just like not wanting to play catchers uh, for a long time now, and it's yeah. it, and it paid off in the paid off in the end for sure. Um, but yeah, Mew. I mean, just less decks. There's not as many dark stuff going around. People are not not disrespecting Mew, but just you know, not every deck has four path and a bunch of dark attackers and stuff like that. So it's like it's kind of more even across the board with the with the meta than kind of being hated on. 
And then two more really interesting ones that I definitely want to talk about that made the top 16. First off is Ross Cawthon getting 15th place with a Radiant Charizard Intellion deck. Now, I know you tested some Radiant Charizard Intellion box type of decks. Ross ended up choosing to go with it and made it all the way through day one with the deck and got top 16, which I think is a pretty, yeah. you know, pretty great feat in and of itself. His list and also, definitely uh, seemed really solid, and Ross is uh, definitely, I mean, he already was and should have been considered one of the greats, but this just yeah. continues to, <laughs> to solidify his spot as one of the all-time Pokemon TCG greats. For anyone who doesn't know Ross Cawthon, the only player to qualify for every single Pokemon World Championships in the TCG, and I think he, I saw, he posted on Facebook about it, and he, I think it said that he has gotten top 16 or better at 8 of the 16 world championships that have happened top 16 or better, which is wild to say. And also, you know, pretty good to have gotten top four, three times in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like Ross top really, uh, also like specifically with this one, Ross actually tied the winning in with uh, Miloslav. So Ross could have been in, it would have put another person in the, on the bubble. We would have had two play-ins instead of just the one. Um, so that was a tie on the winning in from, uh, from Ross. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like, I feel like, uh, Ross, just like, uh, obviously one of the greatest players of all time and really like pulls out all the stops come worlds, you know, right? Like Ross will, if he was like maybe messes around with in the normal season a little bit, played rapid strike Malamar up until this tournament, <laughs> like exclusively, hey, I'm man, pretty maybe sure. He just, just thought it was the best deck for those tournaments. Yeah. Right? And I mean, if you enjoy, it's like never been a bad deck, right? And if you enjoy it, go for it. Right. It had some solid finishes, top 32 at NAIC and stuff like that. But then, you know, come worlds. You know, Ross isn't messing around anymore. Kind of bring out the 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 big guns, bring out something new, something fresh. Uh, get that full kind of advantage that you can get by you know not just picking up Palkia and Teleon and bringing something that can is different and makes your opponent really have to think about what is in their deck. And then it's just a really good deck as well. I've been playing a lot of it on my stream recently, and the the list is super super good. I think the only things I've lost to so far have been myself, and then like like bad matchups, like yeah. unwinnable matchups, like Reggie. Reggie's pretty tough. They just attack first and you fall behind. So Duraludon um, yeah. seems hard too. Ross tied a Duraludon on stream, I think. Yeah, that'll be that's a definitely a tough one as well. It's just it's I think it's it's definitely winnable. It's not like an unfavorable matchup. Right. It's just like a lot you got to string together to to get that uh, to get that win. But yeah, the deck's really uh, deck's really good for sure. The the Ross Cawthon's deck, and I guess the other standout in, in top sixteen is definitely Adam Hawkins with the Arceus Agron. Right? Who would have thought Arce or Agron? Wild. <laughs> a wild one i mean it was a, a a meme a while ago when arceus came out it was just like you pick a color and then pick a v max and pair it with arceus v star <laughs> and you're good to go maybe that's what adam did before this tournament but no agron v and v max actually kind of cool the v the agron v i guess specifically like is where i think probably adam got a lot of the value from because merciless strike its attack does do a ton of damage for a metal and four colorless, so you got to get a lot of energies on this guy. Yeah. Um, a metal and four colorless, it deals 150 damage, but if your opponent's active Pokemon already has any damage counters on it, this attack does 150 more damage. So you can do 300 damage. Of course, you throw a double turbo on, 280, and we all know 280 is kind of the magic number to hit for right now in the format. So you just Trinity charge three energies onto it once and then double turbo attach. You're swinging really hard and it's got 230 hit points as well. Yeah. Yeah. You got the goon in there to get that damage on there ahead of time. Um, so up against like Arceus decks, 230 is kind of out of reach. There was also a big charm in Adam's list. So you can get it really out of reach against 
the Arceus decks, and I think probably up against the Palkia decks, you're probably looking to go into the VMAX a little bit more aggressively, which does do uh, 270 damage. You do deal 30 to yourself, which is kind of rough. And also, it does also cost 5 energy. It's also Metal Quad Colorless um, to do 270. But you get it's a choice buzz on there. Two, two Metal 3 Colorless. Oh, two Metal 3 Colorless. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. It's going to be about the definitely same worse. Setup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't double, double, double right, turbo right. it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah you get a choice belt on there you're hitting for 280 still so you're still like one of killing most relevant things and there is double rihan so you could get kind of like the five basic energies on there i actually wonder if this card is even in here for that purpose and maybe is it more so in here for agron vmax's first attack cracking stomp which does 150 and then you discard the top card of your opponent's deck so that's kind of the like tech for the mewtwo v union maybe, maybe that was the reason instead I feel like against Palkia, you'd need something to survive a hit, but be able to one it KO them. If you're attacking with Aggron, I think you're losing that trade every time. Oh, yeah, it does still. Yeah, you've got the belts to KO still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you need something to, like, survive. There's no way you're beating Palkia with just the Aggron Visa, <laughs> I feel like. Also, Adam Hawkins also got top 16 in one of the opens as well, so. Uh, well, and he got top 16, I'm pretty sure. I'll double check real quick here on Limitless. I'm pretty sure he just got top 16 at NAIC. Oh, no, he got top 64 at NAIC with Control. Uh, but yeah, still pretty Agron, wild. Though, so. Top 32 at Milwaukee as well. Top 32 in uh, Lily as well, or Lil Regional. So he's had a pretty stellar season. Adam is also someone who is, you know, he's been around for a while but and always kind of yeah. plays unique decks. So I always enjoy kind of seeing what he uh, comes up with. Definitely not afraid to to throw something wacky out there. And <laughs> getting top 16 with Agron VMAX is definitely got to be pretty high up there on the accomplishments list. That's pretty dope. Yeah, definitely. And it was, I actually played a little bit with it. That actually, I looked at it, I was like, there's no way this is good. I was like, he just had to get carried by it being Arceus B Barrel Path Marty. Like, that was my initial thought when I looked at the list. But the Aggron actually is like really scary and it really forces your opponent to have to like either deal with it immediately, which is hard to do. Like, the 230 HP is like awkward to like for most decks to deal with early. And then you could big charm it. And then if not, it becomes, it evolves or you just start swinging with it and you just get ahead. And it's like very much a prize race deck. Like, you're just trying to get the first like try and get the first knockout or somehow get ahead and then trying to maintain your lead with Agron, just being able to do so much damage and kind of is like almost uncounterable in that sense as well it's just like your opponent just does not have a good answer for it's just hard to have a good answer for Agron consistently so hey yeah, the deck's listen, actually pretty good i will say when i did my brilliant star set review I did give Agron V a two out of five. <laughs> Didn't give it the one. I was like, you know what? This thing can do 300 damage, okay? That's got to pop up at some point. So big shout outs and thank you to Adam for solidifying Agron V as a two out of five card, at least, at minimum. I did give Agron V Max still a one out of five, though. I will say that. <laughs> the V I mean, got the a better score than the V Max. <laughs> the V is definitely better than the V Max. I will say that for sure. It definitely feels way better to attack with the V than the V Max, so... You were you were right on with the the predictions, I think, with that one. So then let's move on to top cuts. So like we mentioned, it was not a top eight. It was an asymmetrical cut. We did talk about kind of how that works a little bit on last week's episode um, or two weeks ago's episode, <laughs> I guess. So the top nine players uh, included Calvin Connor and Otavio Guvea, who had to do the play-in match to determine which of the two of them would make it in 
to the actual top eight. And there's a big difference between top 16 and top eight. A lot more prize money. Um, of course, getting a top eight Champions Festival stamped card versus a top 32 Champions Festival or top 16 Champions Festival. You also get, um, did they do top eight playmats this year? I know they've always in the past kind of done mm. top eight hats. I think there's probably top eight playmats as well. Uh, oh, yeah, there probably is because there is for regionals, right? So there was top 32 hats. I got a hat for top 32. So they definitely okay. got a hat, top eight hat, probably. So you also get like, I think you get one of each, like, yeah, uh, champion says, like, get a 32, a 16. Yes, actually, this year, this year, they only gave you usually get two. Um, like last time I got top 32, they gave me two top 32s. I only got one this time. Um, so unfortunately, they're only giving out one. I, I, I would have liked another one, but apparently, they're only doing ones now. <laughs> that is interesting because that's usually yeah, another like, big, like, you know they give you two uh, and a lot yeah. of people what they would do is they'd keep one and they'd sell one because those things are worth yeah. several hundred dollars right and so you get mm -hmm. to keep one as your keepsake and then you know make a little extra money too um but okay so yeah and with the, the cards so there was um uh a lot of palkia in top eight or top yeah. cut i should say uh the one mu andre chiasan of course and then if we look here on the limitless page <laughs> the one two three decks top three decks were Arceus flying Pikachu. So let's talk about this just a little bit. We talked a bit about Palkia already. We talked a little bit about Mew. Um, because this is a deck that you were not super hype on leading in two worlds. You yeah. obviously won the North American International Championships with the deck. You didn't feel like it was in as good of a spot. Uh, but obviously things changed a little bit for you because it was one of your top choices for Worlds this year. You ended up going with the Ice Rider Bieberel. Um, so what kind of in that last week, um, changed that made your mind kind of go like, you know what, maybe this is still a decent meta for the Arceus flying Pikachu. I think it's just the fact, like I like knew Arceus and Talion was just not going to be as popular. And that was kind of um, the big deterrent was yeah. like how hyped up Arceus and Talion was previously. Yeah. Basically for the most part, like that was like the biggest thing to kind of worry about is just like, well, that's like a pretty, it's not a terrible matchup. Um, like I went one on one against it at NAIC, so it's like not terrible. It's definitely unfavorable, but um, if there's gonna be a lot of it, you don't really want to play the deck overall uh, into that kind of meta. But the closer we got to Worlds, and especially after seeing the day one meta, it was just like a lot of Palkia, and it's like, well, a lot of Palkia. I don't think Arcanine is gonna be very played, especially like I think it would, I th like especially my mindset was like in day two, I thought it would be less played as well. Like. Day one players, I think, were more likely to play Arceus and Teleon than day two players, right? Sure. Um, I think that is just one of those things with just, like, once you have a better grasp and understanding of just, like, what are the best decks, like, that comes with being a better player, right? And the day two players, on in general, are going to be better than the day one players, right? Um, so, um, yeah, I was like, there's going to be less of it in day two. There's not that much in day one. There's going to be less of it in day two. And then, like, you get the, the Palkia matchup is fine. The Mew matchup is fine. Uh, you're good against like the random stuff, like potentially Reggie's Ice Rider was like the big thing that was kind of one of the deterrents was just like, uh, Ice Rider is going to be tough if you hit those. Um, and it definitely had Ice Rider was getting like quite a bit of hype. Had he had up like leading up into world, I feel like Ice Rider had quite a bit of hype, but it was mostly on the like Italian side of things. Which I don't think that deck is, um, as good. So I don't know. It was it was up there. Um, and obviously it it won and got second and got third. <laughs> Pretty and solid. hopefully maybe this uh this, i feel like this definitely solidifies the deck as it's not really a meme deck which i think that's definitely a, quite a few people thought and uh you're definitely favored in the palkia matchup i would say uh for sure um but there was two different builds uh happening uh 
Daichi and Ryotu. I'm sure they probably tested together because they ended up on very, very similar lists. It actually might just be one card different. I actually don't know the differences, but they were very, so very close. Um, yeah, it's just one trainer card difference, I think. Um, I don't know what it is. Um, also, one of them played two of the V-Search EV and one of them played a 1-1 one, one split. I like the 1-1 one, one split. Ooh, okay. So I definitely, I definitely like Daichi's list a little bit more. The Resonant uh, Evolution EV. Yeah. Um, and I'm like trying to find this. It was an evolution wanted... incense. So uh, uh, Ryota played the evolution incense and okay, Daichi played the third capsule. That was, yeah, there you go. Yeah, the That's third capsule is interesting. You don't really need three, but they're, it's not bad to have. Like, it's, it's one of the cards you want to find for the Mew uh, or for the Jolteon combo. Uh, it's like the hardest card, I guess, to find after they KO the first. If they deal with the first Jolteon, it is the hardest card to find to set up the second Jolteon. So it does create the threat of the second Jolteon more aggressively, I guess, for sure. So, um, and then, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that was interesting to see. They really went all out on not just countering. And I, and I do like the idea behind playing the Jolteon because it doesn't just counter Palkia, but Inteleon's really good. And a lot of the top players were going to gravitate towards playing Inteleon-based decks, whether that be Palkia, which now you just have a great matchup against because you got Jolteon and Pikachu, <laughs> um, or other stuff like Ross's Charizard uh, Charizard deck, I'm sure did not want to go up against <laughs> Daichi or nope. Ryoto with their Flying Pikachu Baby Jolteon deck. So um, it did cover kind of like a big... Uh, a big unknown, I think. That's one of the. I think that was like a really smart play from them to include the baby Jolteon because it it does cover a huge unknown factor of just a lot of people are going to be playing stuff with Inteleon. Jolteon makes us beat those decks. Okay, we'll play the we'll put the Jolteon in there. And then also all three of the decks, in addition to playing Flying Pikachu V Max and Arceus V Star, we're playing Hisuian Decidueye V Star as a. Another option is kind of a, uh, a fighting attacker for any of the Arceus decks. And notably, none of these Arceus decks were playing Dunsparce either. So it's like <laughs> <laughs> they all had this tech for Arceus decks that were not playing Dunsparce while themselves not playing Dunsparce, which is kind of funny. Yeah. So that does kind of lead to like uh, Andre one-upping them, right? A little bit being like, all right, I'm going to play Pikachu. I'm going to play Arceus, but I'm going to play a 2-2. So you can decide UI. Um, and then also 2-2 two, two B-Barrel over the Jolteon. So taking a little bit worse of a Palkia matchup, a little bit worse of a matchup against Inteleon decks in general, but added consistency, really aggressive with the four bosses' orders, and then that much more prepared for the Arceus matchups with the 2-2 two, two Decidueye, right? Definitely. And Decidueye is not just like, it's not a terrible attacker by any means. Uh, it does have that 270 hit points, which is definitely... You know, it, I mean, 10 HP somehow ends up being a huge difference between 270 and 280. There's a lot of different math things that come into play. It is also yeah. weak to Psychic, so against something like Mew VMAX, it's very easy for them to to deal with. Um, the Hisuian Decidueye V, however, having the close quarters shooting attack is definitely relevant. Gives you an out against something like the Mill Tanks that, uh, you know, maybe people are a little worried about with the Mew 2 V Union deck. But overall, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Andre's list. It looks super clean really consistent the four boss very aggressive like you mentioned uh and biberel definitely i think i would favor the biberel over the the jolteons personally looking back i mean obviously that's easy to say i guess since <laughs> it did end up winning but uh you know even just looking back at the meta of the tournament as a whole like how necessary really is the jolteon like sure it's really good against those other intellian decks but just such a high percentage of the meta is palkia you've got a solid enough matchup against it already why not just focus a little bit more on your consistency 
Yeah, I definitely feel like that's actually how it ended up going. There wasn't enough other Inteleon decks, right? There wasn't enough Inteleon Charizard or Ice Rider Inteleon or stuff like that to like, at the end of the day, to warrant maybe the Jolteon. But there was so much Palkia that you really did lock up that much that matchup that much better, right? Like, I definitely think For sure. um, the list with the Baby Jolteon is better against Palkia than Andre's list. But I feel like Andre's list, you know, has its own strengths up against more of the Arceus decks, right? So... Um, also, one thing to mention, Andre did not play a Dark Attacker, um, but still four path for Marnie and was able to f- defeat uh, Andre. <laughs> Andre defeated Andre in yeah. top eight. Andre, um, Marnie not. path, yeah, was enough to overcome the Mew despite not having a Dark Attacker. So also like the Mew 2v Union matchup would have been pretty rough uh, as well. Whereas, you know, um, the Japanese players, they were playing the the, the Galarian Moltres V, which basically allows you to have infinite Dark Energy access to make sure even even though the Mewtwo V Union decks play Crushing Hammer, the Moltres V the Moltres V will eventually be able to attack and knock out the Mewtwo V Union. Yeah, only right? two so. Darkness Energy though in the list, yeah. which was pretty wild. Surprising. You know, living life on the edge, <laughs> <laughs> never prizing Darkness Energy against Mew. You know, I mean, you, you have a you have a little bit of time to maybe get there. Um, but yeah, yeah, you at least have an option with the Dark Attacker, whereas that's something that uh, yeah, Andre did just did not want to play apparently he just uh, more invested into the uh Hisuian decidue i think andre expected more arceus inteleon for sure with the 2-2 decidue line there like fully committing to like uh a hard counter for other arceus decks sure, and sure. no chairs care i guess another thing to mention in both lists zero chairs care just aggressive just start swinging set up a different attacker keep swinging definitely very relevant to to mention and i kind of like that because Sharon's care, like while it is incredibly powerful in these Arceus decks, it almost like kind of drops your consistency a little bit. And you just kind of now without it focus on the aggression, you know, you can play bosses orders on those turns. Like sure. You're going to lose these heavily damaged Pokemon, but you can be more aggressive towards basic Pokemon V before they become V stars. You can, you know, target your opponent's draw by bossing up a Beaverell or, you know, maybe taking out a Drizzile before they have a chance to use Intellion, which can be really strong as well. Um, so yeah, I definitely am a big fan of Andre's list and it obviously paid off very well as he was able to become the 2022 world champion in the TCG. Congratulations. Round of applause for Andre Schubal on that finish. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think that wraps up our top cut talk, the results, um, of course, huge news. And you know what? I actually mentioned this a couple times leading up to Worlds, and everyone always told me, no, TPCI, TPCI runs Worlds. There's no way that they would put Worlds in Japan because that's, is it TPO? Is that? It's I don't even TPC, know. TPC. TPC, that's company. what it is, yeah. TPC controls everything in Japan as far as the play goes. There's no way that it would happen in Japan. <laughs> But I was like, that doesn't make that much sense. They can just still run it there. There can be two companies that run Pokemon events existing. It, Japan's not that small. Like, they can fit two people or two groups of people who run Pokemon tournaments in Japan. And Worlds next year is right. in <laughs> Japan. <laughs> we get it, bro. I was wrong. You were right. Worlds 2023 in Yokohama, Japan, which is absolutely incredible super stoked to see that i did not think they would do it i'll admit it hey i was wrong i was wrong and this is just proof for anyone out there 
I don't have insider info. Okay. It doesn't exist because <laughs> I thought there was no shot. This was ever happening. And here you go. We're going to Japan next year, baby. Super cool to see. And I know the Japanese players were pumped about it for sure. Um, you know, the game is made in Japan and they have had to travel outside of their own country for, um, the biggest tournament in their game for the yeah. past, you know, since 2004, since the world championships started, and so massive W for the Japanese players and really, honestly, a lot of other players from around the world yeah. because people are going to have an opportunity to travel to a country that they maybe never would have had if it was not for this. Yeah, and I know uh, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter. Like, I mean, I do know there was quite a few restrictions to be able to get in Japan right now. Um, and hopefully that lightens up, you know, a year from now. Hopefully it becomes a little bit easier. It's to... so hard to predict what things are going to look like. Yeah. Maybe. Um, exactly. And, and maybe they, maybe they do somehow, maybe they do have insider info on that and they just know that things are going to lighten up confident enough to host worlds there that things are going to be easier for, for outside of, yeah, they definitely want people who get their worlds invite if they have the financial means to get there, to be able to go. And that is one thing that people are bringing up is that it is going to be pretty expensive for a lot of people to go to worlds in Japan. But I don't think that's a reason to not have a Worlds in Japan. Like maybe this is if maybe this is your if you can't afford it, maybe this is just your year to take a take a year off, right? Like if it's just if it's not in sometimes it's not it's not going to be in the cards for everyone, right? Even if you get your Worlds invite or could get your Worlds invite, it, maybe take a year off this time around. I mean, I know I'm super excited. I'm going to be going, um, and it's going to be uh, great. I don't think this is something to be kind of uh, just because that is something that comes with having it in Japan. That is something to be like kind of. Uh, made a focal point of it being in japan like it is there and if it if it doesn't work out for you then then it's just not going to work out for you but it shouldn't be uh a drag on on it being in japan yeah there's definitely always kind of been this discussion around like accessibility to a world's invite and i mean it is meant to be the most exclusive event of the year. Like, I don't think just anyone and everyone who wants to get an invite to the world championships necessarily has to get an invite to the world championships. You know, like, I don't think that you should necessarily be able to get an invite to the biggest tournament of the year by only playing in your local area. I think you, you know, have to be able to, you know, have proven yourself on a little bit bigger of a stage by getting, you know, some points at some of these bigger tournaments. And usually, you know, regionals are spread out enough where people can, you know, try to make a trip out to one or two and try to get their shot at at that. Uh, and I think that people need to be okay with the fact that they just, like, are playing Pokemon and not having to play for a Worlds invite. I think that's the thing where, like, <laughs> like Pokemon has only given the players one thing to try and achieve, which is get a Worlds invite. And so there's just so much emphasis on that that people kind of lose sight of, like, just being able to play and enjoy the game and not having to, um, you know, be so focused on that being the one thing that they try to achieve. Yeah, and I think like that'll also like if you if you don't it was one of those things I feel like and like this is like a not even just a Pokemon thing, but it's like when it's something you don't focus on, you know, it'll also come along, right? It'll 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 you'll like if you're not making it that big of a deal and stressing out and like um worrying about it, you know, you'll end up with your world's invite if you, you know, go to enough <laughs> events, right? Like um if you're not adding that extra stress and pressure to, you know, have to perform well and then, you know, play poorly or misplay because of it, then uh you'll probably end up getting there um, for sure. But yeah, but like, I know that's like one big thing that I just saw a lot of people mention was just like, it's going to be hard to get to Japan and that's true. But yeah, maybe this just isn't the world's for you to go to then. Like if it's not feasible for you to make it to Japan for whatever reason, uh, financially or, or other, then just 
you know, sit this one out. And then hopefully, I mean, next year, hopefully they keep kind of uh, touring the world. That's what I hope. I hope it goes somewhere else. Maybe it'll come back to North America, but I hope it stays out of North America for a little while. Um, I think that's fair for the rest of the world. Uh, <laughs> we've had it in North America a long time. And to be honest, maybe it, it a little bit selfishly, I definitely want to go explore and see new places personally. So um, happy to Japan. And I hope it stays out of North America the following year as well. And so there was also another huge, huge announcement at the World Championships. The announcement of the new game mechanic for Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, which will be the return of Pokemon EX. Two prize Pokemon. We're not going to go super in-depth on this this week. We just don't have the time for it. We will be giving kind of our more... Uh, in-depth thoughts on next week's episode so be sure to come back and check that out but just kind of uh, initial thoughts maybe Azul I know me personally I'm very excited to see this so I mean yeah, yeah I, like someone asked me if I'm excited for EX Pokemon to be back and I don't really care that it's EX Pokemon they could have called it BX Pokemon or DX Pokemon whatever it doesn't really matter what they as label. long as it has X in the title I mean, I guess maybe it needs to have X, sure. But, like, it doesn't really matter what... They could call it... They could call it, uh, you know, Notepad Pokemon or uh, something. I don't know. They could literally call it anything. Notepad on your desk? Is that what made yeah, you say Yeah, there's that? a Notepad on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm more excited for the, the video that they, they had along with the announcement where it definitely feels like... The message I got from that video is, is a little bit of, like, we know our player base does not has not enjoyed the game the way it's been the last couple years or maybe for a while um and for me it hasn't been that long personally definitely maybe a year or two it's felt a little bit out of whack um and they even said in the video we want to bring back the idea of comebacks right being able to come from behind utilize powerful stage two pokemon it sounds like as well to be able to be part of that um, and that's what I'm excited for. You could call it, you know, Notepad Pokemon or whatever. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm excited for. I'm excited for the game to be continue to be fun and cool and interesting. And I don't think the game is completely void of that right now. But it mm-hmm. sounds like that is definitely something that they like. They they the creators of the game feel like they could have done better, could have been doing better, and want to do better. So that's the important thing that I got from the uh, the little announcement video for sure. And we will go more in depth on this, like I said, in next week's yeah. episode. So be sure to come back, check that out. I'm very excited for this as well. Uh, Pokemon Notepad are going to be amazing. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Super excited. Uh, All right. Yep, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, guess that flavor text. It is my turn this week to pick a flavor text for Chip to guess. Um, if you guys are new here, every week, me or Chip will pick a flavor text for the other one to try and guess what Pokemon goes with that flavor text. So I'm going to read it to Chip here in a second, and then Chip has to try and guess what Pokemon is that flavor text from. Um, we also do this thing where we have three lifelines. Um, so initially, if you don't use a lifeline and you get it right, make your guess, get it right, you get four points. I think we're currently tied at two and three and three. I'm two and two. sure I'm ahead, actually. I thought I tied it up. No, I because I Are got you up again by one. Oh wait, no, you did tie it up last week. Yeah, you so did. two and two or, one, or three and three. You ended up coming through clutch with Celebi. I believe we are three and three. I have not okay. been keeping up the scoreboard as much as I should. <laughs> not gonna lie. So yeah, we have uh, four points if you get it right without using a lifeline. And the three lifelines. It, every time you use a lifeline, it becomes worth one less point. Uh, what set the card is from? What stage the card is? And then read an attack name from the card um and then if you use all three lifelines and then still get it right you still get one point um chip 
Are you ready for this week's flavor text? Let's get it, baby. <clears throat> it enshrouds itself with sand to protect itself from germs. It does not enjoy getting wet. From germs. From germs. Interesting. It enshrouds itself in sand. So some of the first Pokemon I think of, there's obviously like the Sand Castle Pokemon, Sandy Guest, and um, oh shoot, what's the other one's name? The big one, Apollo Sand, right? Um, but there's also you know even older than that. Um, some other sand Pokemon would be something like Trapinch. I know Trapinch likes to kind of to hide away, burrow down into the desert, into the sand, maybe Flygon or Vibrava. Um, I don't know. Can I get it one more time, Azul? <laughs> the way you said it. Yeah, I got you. It enshrouds itself with sand to protect itself from germs. It does not enjoy getting wet. Is there a lot of germs in water? Is that... Why? Because it is a, apparently does not like germs. Well, it might be a ground or rock type Pokemon. Oh, true, true, which, true. Which, you know, are weak to water. So that could be where we're at here. I do believe Trapinch is a ground sense. type. Um, the, the the germs thing is kind of what's throwing me <laughs> off here. Like, we, I didn't realize we had a germaphobe Pokemon <laughs> in, in universe. <laughs> So mm, that's that's kind of where my, my question mark is at the moment. I definitely will have to use some lifelines here. I think I'm going to start with what stage is the card. Card is a basic. Well, Trapinch is a basic. I'm definitely leaning that direction right now, I will say. Could also be a Sandy Gas. Let me have you read an attack name. Tackle. Okay, well, that was useless. <laughs> um all right i'm gonna go ahead and use all three lifelines here i i I, i'm i'm just am i gonna well i don't know if i should use them or not because i don't know if anything you say i guess if i i know that the set doesn't have a trap inch in it it would matter so yeah go ahead and give me give me the set that the card's from primal clash i am pretty sure that there is a trap inch in primal clash because i think there's an ain't Ancient trait flygon? Is there an ancient trait flygon? There is definitely a flygon in H- in in Primal Clash though. So, I I I I've said Trapinch from the start. I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's Trapinch, uh, but that's my best guess at this point. I'm just gonna go with it, lock it in. Trapinch, little no, orange clam guy. It is not Trapinch. Oh, <laughs> is there a Trapinch in Primal Clash? Did I mess up? What what, what is it? Is, what think is so. it? So it is Potos. Oh, Potos, the know, germaphobe Pokemon. Is it actually the germaphobe Pokemon? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but after yeah. that, it might as well be. <laughs> Trapinch. I want to see if there's one in Primal Clash. I don't think there so. There is. There is one. There in Primal is. Clash. Oh, okay. How would you know that? Like, how do you like that? Like, blows my mind that you like know, like every time you like know. I just remember, man. I don't know. I just remember. I've seen it. I just kind of, I don't know. I remember. I've opened up a lot of packs before. Okay, give me a break. I guess. Um, That still doesn't make any sense, though. Hippopotas from Primal Clash. Let me get it up on the screen real quick here for everyone. (laughs) Yeah, let us know in the comment section. Did you guys get it? Did you guess a Potas? Were you on the Trappings train with Chip and Crash and Burn? Uh, Where did you end up? How many points did you get this week? um you know i think i would have done better if you gave me the other attack name instead of tackle we went with what was the rolling tackle (laughs) okay (laughs) 
That was a joke because it's yeah, the same I don't, thing. I don't think I don't think you would have guessed Trapinch though. Trapinch is not a rolling tackle type uh Bro, type he's got like a round little nose. Maybe he like kind of just gets on it and like Yeah, but there's no way a, a Trapinch has like if I I wouldn't ever think a Trapinch would have they have like Sand Tomb or like Call for Family. Like Trapinches never have they would not have tackle and rolling tackle. There's never been a Trapinch card that has like two bad attacks. Trapinches stay having good attacks. Like bind and stuff. All right, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> so Worlds just ended, and they already announced the regional schedule. They announced it the day before Worlds, I think. But it was Wednesday, I think, is when they announced it. So I think still a little late. I'm going to be a little bit critical here, I guess. A little bit late still for it to be coming up this soon. Um, it, of course, it was like two months after Worlds, and it would have been fine. But it was like a month, right? The first regionals. Not just first regionals. First regionals, first special event. Uh, is that it? Is it just those two? There's one more, isn't there? Is it two regionals? Oh, you're you're muted, Chip. We can't hear you. We can't hear you right now. Yep, I'm back. I apologize. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Take over. What are you saying? Two regionals? Two regionals, one special event. Uh, one regional in Baltimore, of course. There is the regionals in Brazil, and then a special event in Bilbao, which I don't know why. Maybe it's just because there was just one, but I feel like special events always be happening in Bilbao. Do they get like three Bilbao special <laughs> event, <laughs> events every single year? That's what it feels no, like just to get, me. <laughs> they just get one, but it always happens, and it's just like an iconic name. I don't know. It just stands, it definitely stands out. Bilbo... Like, of course, for me, I think of Bilbo Baggins from Lord of the Rings. Like, it's just you, it makes you think of, of things that have nothing to do with Pokemon. It's an iconic name. It stands out. The Bilbo special event. It makes me kind of want to go there and participate in the Bilbo special event, to be honest. Like, maybe I'll try next year because it's going to happen again for sure. There's, yeah, no mean, way they there's honestly probably going to be another one later this year. So just keep your eye out. Yeah. That is the most prestigious European event. I think we should just like <laughs> claim that Bilbo uh, special yeah. event. But yes, yeah. so they did announce the regional schedule. I definitely agree with Azul. Way too late. Pretty much, uh, I mean, unacceptable, honestly, maybe is the word to think of there. Like, it's kind of ridiculous because you're giving people less than a month to try to plan travel to these things. Um, and also, we've gotten this information. We get these regionals, and we don't know anything about them. We don't know what the prizing is we don't know how many championship points you're playing for we don't know how many championship points are even necessary to get to the world championships so there's still yep. a ton of question marks around and everyone's kind of just left to assume that it'll be the same as the past seasons and i guess there's not really any reason to assume that it would be any different uh besides the cp threshold for a world's invite i would imagine that they do drop that this season for a couple of reasons one the world championships being uh in japan less people will kind of go naturally i think yeah. just because it is farther away and then also because um unfortunately fortunately i don't know i guess it kind of depends where you're at for me it's a big <laughs> unfortunately uh there will not be any local championship point tournaments like league challenges and league cups until further notice definitely a yeah. bummer and also like i mean registration just happened yesterday and with how registration went last season with so much stuff being up in the air in terms of will you be able to register because of uh player caps um did you really want to book a flight? Like I was looking at flights at worlds, uh, yeah. like the day that I heard, I was like looking at flights for, you know, the first couple of regionals happening. Um, but then one of the things for me, it wasn't like too big of a thought process, but thinking about it back now, I was like, maybe I should have held off on buying a flight until I got back and registered because registration went up yesterday. And with how registration went last season, I mean, thankfully this one did not cap. It was open for about a day. I think just roughly a day 
before it capped. It did cap TCG Masters. And that's the only one to really care about capping, to be honest. So uh, TCG Masters did cap eventually today, but it was up for like 24 hours, which is good to see. But going into it, who knows, right? And like you said, pricing, CP, so many things up in the air. It felt like the announcement was a little bit late. Uh, and then registration also felt like it went up a little bit late as well. So still some stuff to fix. I feel like we're always saying that though, which is like bad. It feels like nothing ever actually gets fixed. It's like, you know, two step forwards, one step back or whatever. Like it's always, you can never catch, they can never catch up and are like, nothing is ever clean. It feels like. Sure. So we'll, let's just go through uh, and just kind of list off the locations of the North American regionals. All of this information is on the Pokemon website. So definitely be sure to check it out. Of course, there are also regionals posted uh, and special events for the European region. One regionals right now for Latin America. There will definitely be more added to this for Latin America. I can't imagine they only would have one regionals for the entire year. And it's like in two weekends, right? Uh, And then they get (laughs) nothing until Worlds. No, uh, there will definitely be plenty more I feel like, um, and already, I think whenever this got posted, there was only 12 regionals, and now two more have gotten added to North America. Yeah. So so there could be more. There definitely could be more, potentially. We will see what happens. So in September, a couple weeks here, we've got Baltimore. Uh, end of September, beginning of October, we've got Peoria, Illinois, Salt Lake City in October, in December, Toronto, and Arlington. In January, San Diego. In February, we've got Florida regionals in Orlando and also Knoxville. In March, there's Vancouver and Charlotte regionals. And the end of March, beginning of April, we've got Fort Wayne. May, there's Portland regionals and Hartford regionals. And then in June, Wisconsin regionals, which actually, worth noting, the date for this tournament actually just got changed today. They made it, uh, it was like a weekend or two later than this one that it just got changed to. So if you were already looking at flights or maybe you've booked something, you might want to try to get that <laughs> figured out because it is a different I, date now in Milwaukee. It, that did look off. It did look off the, the Wisconsin one, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That looked off. I was like, it was not, it wasn't two, four last time I looked at it. It wasn't June 2nd to 4th. Um, yeah. Regionals announced uh, for, I mean, definitely expecting more for, uh latin america like you said Um, also nothing announced for oceania for australia yet so there will definitely be several there i would imagine and then we didn't get any exact dates but we got kind of a general date for the four internationals as well so in november we've got latin america which will be in brazil february of 2023 oceania in australia April of 2023, Europe in the United Kingdom, so no longer in Germany. It'll be back in the UK, probably just London, most likely, but back to the Excel Center. (laughs) (laughs) And then in North America in June, hopefully not in Columbus or Indianapolis, but it will probably put it though. It will probably be in Columbus or Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Yeah, where would they even put it if they did? If they did try and put it somewhere else, like I think California could be a yeah, like California's just so hard to be able to get to. They could do an LA NAIC. It, I think they try and put it in the Midwest on purpose. Like it's just so much more convenient for everyone to like get to. Is there any? I guess I mean Texas it's convenient for Americans be... to get to. It's less convenient for oh that's international well, I mean, travelers to I, get to. I guess I never really thought about. It. You too probably want to try and make it more convenient for the local player base, right? Okay. Like if you're already going to make the hike, how about this? NAIC Vegas. Yeah, they won't do that. They could do, <laughs> I could see them doing Texas, though. I could honestly see them doing Texas. 
Texas, sure. Texas is kind of a spot. They are. I mean, we are, well, I guess we always get like a Texas regional. They're doing it in Arlington this time around, which is interesting. I've never been to Arlington, so hopefully it's uh they have good barbecue food there, like the uh, like the other ones. It's oh. Texas, bro. There will be good barbecue, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so some other notable things as far as the regionals goes. No VGC in the this year. Um, they're waiting out for yeah 2022. Um, they're they're just waiting for the new game, right? They're gonna be the first regional will uh be once the new game has been released. And to be honest, from what I've seen from the VGC players on Twitter, it doesn't seem like anyone cares. It seems like everyone's like, yeah, the game's kind of dead up until the new game release, anyways, and no one's really motivated to want to play or go to regionals. So we're fine with this. Is what I've seen from uh the little bit of you know VG that goes through my Twitter feed, yeah. VGC players. So. I mean, if they're fine with it, then I, I don't see any reason to cry. It definitely, it definitely. When I saw it initially, I was like, that, that kind of feels like a feels bad for the VG players. But it seems like they're, they're from what I've seen. Like I said, I don't speak for everyone. I've, I haven't seen everything. It seems like they're they're content with that happening. Um, yeah, and I think no, that I mean for them, it's kind of like you know, our format starts to get stale after we've had a bunch of tournaments in our format, yeah. right? Well, it's like, you know, their format changes a little bit here and there. They get a couple new Pokemon added, but they're playing on the same game for three years. So it's yeah. like, uh, I mean, that was a problem for them for forever was the game. Like the format started to just feel really stale because they would have tournament after tournament after tournament after tournament for months and months in the exact same format. And so they're, everything just kind of started to be the same because the meta got really defined. Um well, now they have like the the they like switch the format every. They do so they have the couple, series every now, year. So they yeah. Well, no, it's every it's every couple months actually. I think it's Is every it? okay. Yeah, yeah. That, so, I'm sure that helps keep things fresh a little bit. So yeah, I, I think that like if you look back at the end of the Sun and Moon era, the Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon era, which was in 2019, you know, Sword and Shield came out in 2019. I think that the VGC regionals had like. 20 or 30 masters in them because people just didn't care because they were waiting for the new game so i think yeah. pokemon noticed that and was like you know what that's fine we won't hold these tournaments until january like you said similar to me most of the vgc people i've seen on my twitter feed don't seem to mind it too much but in lieu of vgc uh pokemon go has become a mainstay at these tournaments now being featured at every single one of the tournaments that has been announced so far which was not the case this past season. It was just at a handful yeah. of them. It will now be at every single North American, European, and Latin America tournament that has been announced so far. That is at least. Uh, so we'll see him tip tap in away up there on the stage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it seems like it's worked out. That was like last season was kind of like the trial run, I guess, right? Yeah. Just to try it out, get it in so. there. I guess the, the true trial run was at Worlds where they had the kind of like showcase match. Not this Worlds, but last Worlds um, 2019. Um, and now this time around, they were just like, all right, we're going all the way all out Pokemon Go at every regional. So they must have been definitely pleased with how everything went. And maybe it maybe it is kind of an organizer based thing. And then all the organizers just decided to keep Pokemon Go as well. I could see that being it. I don't know if, they, if they're being forced by Pokemon to um, it does seem like the VG thing is probably coming from TPCI. But I don't know if the Pokemon Go thing is or if it's like all the organizers unanimously agree that yes, it's just good to have Pokemon Go at their at their event. So um happy for the the Pokemon Go community. Yeah. Cool to cool to have them tap in um at every regional this season uh for for sure. And then one other thing we definitely need to note was an, uh, another thing up here 
on this webpage, which reads, Most Championship Series events, including all regional and international championships, use the standard format. So no expanded, pretty much confirmed right here yeah, on this page. Once, if they ran a, a special event in North America, it could be expanded, right? Like, that's the only way... Or if they bring back cups and challenges, and those could be expanded because it's regional, right? Like the special yeah. events don't count under that. So, I mean, I'm happy about that. I don't like expanded, so <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Dubs for the the expanded haters. Now there is definitely a lot of people who enjoy expanded still. Um, so I, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are bummed out to see this, but. I, I, I do yeah. think that there is a benefit for there to be two formats to bounce between. Um, but Expanded really just, I think before it can be played in a competitive sense, there are a few cards that are problematic that need to be changed. And it's honestly maybe at a point where the, the card pool is really just too big. Yeah, I think, and I actually, I agree. I think two formats is good. And this is what I've said uh many times now is they just need to rotate reset with uh, a better understanding of what they need to do to make expanded work so maybe that's what we'll see two years from now maybe we get this new ex thing and they're trying to change the game in that aspect and maybe you know two three rotations from now after we've had only standard they're like all right expanded is back and it is um whatever the ex first ex set is on so we get like you know, plus eight sets or something for expanded. And then it grows again. But this time they have a better understanding of what expanded should look like and what they need to do to balance it and control it and kind of build off that from there. Or maybe they go sword and shield on with expanded next season, right? Not this coming up season, but the season after. Um, and then we get expanded back that way. But I think they definitely should just do a big overhaul. And now with a better idea of what they need to do to keep it fair, fun and balanced, um, they can apply those, those ideas to a new expanded format after a big, uh, a big expanded rotation. So let's talk a little bit more about the lack of local tournaments. So no league challenges, no league cups mentioned this a little bit ago, but um, yeah, to me, this is definitely a big, uh, a big bummer because I really enjoy, you know, cups to an extent. I think league cups behind uh, become kind of uh, a little bit too much of a grind if they're incorporated into the competitive structure poorly when it comes to, stipends for internationals and stuff then it just becomes a super big grind for that top level of player um, but as far as local events go i mean they are vital to me in order to to help grow the game and to to foster a community and get more people involved in playing and so the fact that there are no league challenges and league cups is just so it's really just such a bummer it really is yeah i i agree like especially on like the local level because like, i even like to give people that uh that you know, that passion or that fire to want to like attempt a world's invite, you know, they get their first 30 CP from top four in a league cup. It's like, Hmm. Then they win one, they get another plus 50. Um, and I was even talking about it as far as the online game goes, like Pokemon live uh, or PTCG L um, that I think they should, you should be able to earn championship points from the PTCG for some, some form of PTCG L tournament. You should be able to play PTCG live, whether that be through just playing on the ladder or like, in tournaments integrated into the client there should be a way to earn championship points even if it's just like 10 10 championship points somehow like it's just just a way to get people involved more yep. into the competitive side of things um so it, it sucks to not have the local events um for that to get more people involved in it and i like i said should be something that hopefully we eventually see in live who knows uh <laughs> um and hopefully they bring them back it feels weird that they are kind of not 
doing them with how everything else is being kind of run and handled as of late. So maybe next quarter they'll feel comfortable with bringing them back. I'm sure it'll be a quarterly thing, right? I don't think they're going to be like, you know, a month from now, be like, all right, and Cubs and Challenges. It'll probably be a quarterly thing. So maybe next quarter, if not, maybe the quarter after. It would suck to kind of sit out the whole season of no no cups and no challenges, though, for sure, or no local events at all. So part of me wonders if they're taking this opportunity to kind of restructure and rework this whole system that they have in place with the cups and challenges um, and find a different way to earn CP through local What events. have they been what have they been doing the last three years when we've had COVID? <laughs> we, well, like, I know, I know. Someone, like, this is someone's job. Just do it. <laughs> like, uh, give it, hire me. I will do it. Give me three years. Get, send me in a time machine back. Give me three years and I'll come up with a better system. Like, um, or at least an improved system. And I'm sure they can come up with an improved system as well. I'm not saying they can't because um, there's always improvements to be made with everything in life. But like, they've had three years. Like, they should have had this figured out. And that's why I'm hoping it is just uh still kind of like COVID. like they still don't want to have you know groups of people meeting up and but like we have regionals and stuff happening like also pokemon league is opened back up i think right so yeah um, maybe it's the that they it'll be really hard for them to make masks mandatory at like these smaller things and they that's they're really like protective over them not being involved in you know not being able to enforce that right so yeah. maybe that is it maybe it'd be just way too hard for them to be like or or maybe even not possible for them to enforce that at cups and challenges and stuff. So they they want to wait a little bit longer, which I think is fair. But hopefully they have figured out. Hopefully it's not a system thing where they're trying to revamp or change things. They've had three years, so someone should have been working on that a while ago. <laughs> we will see what happens, or maybe we will <laughs> never see. Maybe they will never return. Maybe it is only regionals, Azul, and there's no reason for you to ever go to your local <laughs> card shop. Just sit. I mean, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think I was doing any more cups and challenges, even if they did bring them back. I guess one thing I did want to mention about like this whole thing of, of, you know, local events not happening. And of course I think it's super fair for, I think you even mentioned it, it kind of sucks. Right. And a lot of people were upset that they don't exist from a uh, invite acquiring uh, perspective to just trying to go to play more tournaments locally. Right. Like a lot of people can't go to a bunch of regionals. Right. So that one of their only ways was to get to, to play competitively was going to stuff like cups and challenges uh, and stuff like that. And there's a lot of 1Ks and local stuff popping up, of course, since the pandem- pandemic started, which is super cool. Um, I think one of the, like the, I don't know, there's, there's people being people to some extent, but uh, one of the weirdest things to come out of it all was just like the amount of people who cared enough to like make tweets or respond to tweets about um, how it's, you shouldn't be able to get your invite from League Cups and League Challenges. Like, I just feels like it just shouldn't matter to you. I can't believe anyone cares enough to actually make a tweet to be like, it's a good thing Cups and Challenges aren't back because... Now people can't just get their invites solely off League Cups and League Challenges, or that's a good thing that they can't do that anymore, right? When it's like, you know, if one of the best players in the world lives in the middle of nowhere and can't go to regionals, but is able to acquire their invite from going to a bunch of League Cups and then gets to Worlds and can play in Worlds, I want that player. If they're that good uh, and they show up and they do well, I want them there, right? On To be on the, the biggest stage if they're that good. And if they're not, you know, they're going to go 0-3 drop anyways. Why do you care? Like, <laughs> so they're either a really good player and they deserve to be at the World Championships and compete with the best, or they're not, and they're just there. And 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 you're and if you're not better than them to beat them, then who cares if you how you got your, your Worlds invite? If you're just going to show up and go 0-3 drop anyways, who cares how many regionals you went to to get your Worlds invite? Like, it doesn't matter how you got your Worlds invite. It's not, getting a Pokemon Worlds invite is, like, not that serious. It's not that big of a deal it's it's great when people can achieve it and they get it but like compared to like 
other forms of competition and stuff like getting a pokemon worlds invite is like whether you get it from league cups or get it from going to only regionals it just does not matter like get your worlds invite show up play pokemon pokemon is not that serious like it just kind of blows my mind that people actually have time to go out of their way to tweet some of the tweets i saw when this was kind of uh initially announced and i think part of the where that comes from is that pokemon has only given their players one reason to play the game and that is to earn like their competitive players to play the game and it is to earn a world's invite there is nothing else to play for you know there is a uh you know a stranglehold on trying to earn championship points and get as many points as possible to to qualify and other than that you know once people get their world's invite so many people just stop playing the game for months like i've seen that happen every single season someone gets their world's invite in six or seven months and then they don't play at all until worlds because they've achieved their one goal um yeah so i don't know but all of that to be said, there, there's so much uh, still to come as far as the regionals. And like we said, we don't know the CP structure yet. We don't know the invite structure. So hopefully those announcements come sooner rather than later because uh, it's already kind of re- – I, I, I honestly, like part of me would not be surprised if we are playing at Baltimore regionals and people don't know like how much cp we get yes <laughs> would not surprise me but how much prize money we get they just like give us a slip of paper that says you'll be emailed <laughs> like you know would not surprise me is all i will say <laughs> hopefully this week we'll see an announcement. like it, it, there really should there should have been an announcement months ago the next best thing would be like literally as soon as possible so hopefully it happens really soon but in regards to baltimore regionals uh which was you know when it comes to all these registration processes and stuff obviously there's stuff going on for brazil regionals for the bilbo special event but azul and i both yep. are north american and uh so we see the majority north american stuff happening um or like are most involved in those processes so the registration process was kind of a disaster through a lot of the season for these regional championships in the 2022 season. Um, for Baltimore, though, Azul, did you feel like it was any better at all? Um, I mean, I guess like the, the thing to talk about, of course, is kind of well, like registering the process of registering was the same as always on RK9 Labs and registration was open at least around 24 hours right which was good that's what we like that we kind of talked about like if we could at least get 24 hours i feel like that is or even like to be honest an hour to be honest like thinking about it as long as you're well informed and stuff that's even like reasonable right if there can be enough slots in a tournament that registration stays open for an hour if you're someone who really wants to go to an event and is well informed in the pokemon community and you know you're about trying to go to an event that's that's plenty of time to be honest but when it was like you know four or five seconds uh (laughs) that's when it gets a little bit sketchy so that that's great of course that's like a big improvement from what we saw a lot of last year um and hopefully that maintains throughout the rest of the season is like that's not a problem um and of course i think the biggest thing overall was there was definitely uh some interesting twitter uh communication going on from the tournament organizer uh and then i think the i think a little bit of it was there were some unnecessary tweets from them. They were blocking players on Twitter. Apparently um, they need to improve as the Twitter person, or you got to get a new Twitter person behind uh, overlord overload events. One of those two needs to happen, I think for sure. Um, but I think the community's outrage towards the Twitter account was also pretty unwarranted. Like once again, how do you have that much time to tweet those tweets uh in your day like there's got to be something better 
that both sides could do. Because there were a lot of tweets coming from the Overload events <laughs> that were just like, it was like a repeat. It was like it was on repeat. It was the same thing being said differently every 30 minutes. So um, say it once and then finally tell us when, you know, registration is going to go live when it is. It's okay for you to let us know there's a delay. Just be like, nope, there's a delay. Registration won't happen today. We'll send out a tweet tomorrow morning when registration is going to happen. And then you don't need to tweet again. And then the amount of people that kind of had like a mob mentality of like tweeting at their Twitter was also just kind of weird and unnecessary. I don't know. It was kind of a kind of a mess. But once registration went live, it was all pretty smooth from there, I guess, for sure. Yeah, I kind of missed out on this overload events saga this week because most of it was <laughs> happening while we were in the hospital. So I wasn't really paying that close yeah. attention to Twitter, obviously. But from what you didn't I miss out gathered, on much. <laughs> it was it was kind of a mess. It seems like the overload events Twitter was like tweeting like very unnecessary things like you said like just too many things like yeah a lot of tweets a lot of tweets and people are trying to just register for this tournament and even tweeting stuff like registration will go live tonight oh just kidding it'll go live tomorrow oh just kidding it'll be in a couple days oh just kidding it'll be tonight like people are just (laughs) like what the heck is going on i'm trying to play in this tournament uh but it all ended up okay registration was open for a while like you said Uh, one of the biggest conversations though that has kind of developed after registration went live and has been posted is the price of the tournament, $68.90 to play at a regional championships. And this is an increase from last season. I think the most expensive regionals last season um, was like 62 or $3, something like that. Uh, most of them being around 60 Um I don't know. I, when I started playing in 2015, that was the first year I went to regional championships. I feel like I remember paying like 20 or $30. I don't remember exactly. Um, and then the first season that there was cash involved in the game in 2016, 2017, I think that first Orlando regionals was maybe 30 or $40. Um, I don't know. You've been playing a lot longer as well. Did you, uh, what, what, how much were regionals when you first kind of started playing? Do you even remember? It was, it was free. It used to be free. You could just be able to show up. But like, uh, I mean, the it was 130 person tournaments back then, right? So the scale has gone up a lot, which is good. So obviously they need to charge. Um, and I think it is fair for there to be, uh, you know, a profit to be made from the tournament organizers, right? To an extent, right? Like, uh, are they just going to keep upping it? ten dollars every time until registration doesn't cap one year and then they're gonna bring it back by ten because that's what i think it actually has steadily been has been ten dollars like every single season um at least the average right they are not all the same not all the registration fees are the same um and some venues cost more some venues cost less uh some tos do more with their uh events besides just holding the tournaments right um so i mean if this is the price point for them to hit you know uh, you know, make their profit, run a good event. I don't know how much it costs to rent a hall in Baltimore that can fit at least 1,100 TCG players. I don't know how many other players for other events plus staff. Um, and, and I would hope that this does eventually lead to, um, if they are going to be charging us more and more, I would hope this does eventually lead to staff actually getting paid yeah. as opposed to kind of working more so on a volunteer basis, right? Um, it's kind of funny when you go to a Pokemon event and then there's there's the staff and then there's the people with the volunteer shirts, like the volunteer volunteers, because <laughs> the staff, uh, for the most part, is volunteers as well. Yeah. Right. Like no one's getting paid as far as the staff goes. Right. Um, especially when you come like and the thing you compare to is just like magic 
uh, magic judges do get paid, right? That's kind of like the thing to compare it to is like they actually, but they also are trained better. Um, yep. And you can't, it's not as, you can't just be, not as many people can just become magic judges like you can Pokemon judges. But I think that'd be a fine thing to also um, institute would be, you know, better yeah. uh, training and yeah, then also judges, pay the judges. Ju- judges at Pokemon regionals don't come away with nothing. Like they get the promo yeah, yeah. and then they get like usually a booster box or something like that. But it's, yeah. you know, they should get paid. <laughs> I yeah. agree. And I think you know. sometimes, like, sometimes flights or hotel rooms get, yeah. you know, are all like all most some of that stuff gets comped as well. Like, they're not, yeah. And it, it is kind of for a love of the game and the community. Um, good excuse to just go see a lot of people you enjoy hanging out with as well, even on the uh, the staff side of things. But I would like that if, 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 if they want to charge us 70 or $80 for registration fees, if the events, and we haven't, this event hasn't happened yet. So it could be the best regional ever, right? And maybe that is it part and due to the fifty or the seventy dollar registration fee, right? We haven't yeah. been there yet. I don't think it will be. I don't think it's gonna be, but it could be. Yeah. So there's a, a couple things I wanna say in regards to this. Like obviously I think like, you know, we're at a time in the world where things are starting to become more expensive than they have been in the past. So, you know, yeah. it's kinda sucks that that's getting passed off to the player, but it kinda just is how it is at this point. But regionals fees just over year have been increasing. Like you mentioned, it seems like $40, then one year, $50, then now 55, and then now 60, and then so on and so forth. Um, And I think it's a lot of the players kind of look at this and just be like, where is this money going? And that's, it it is hard to know because there's really not any transparency. These tournaments are not run by the Pokemon company. They are run by tournament organizers who are like kind of contracted in by the Pokemon company or uh, the whole process is honestly very confusing. And I don't even know exactly how it works. Honestly, Azul may have a little bit better of an idea than I do. uh, Since Lorelei, you know, is pretty involved with staffing at a lot of these regionals, but it is uh, definitely a confusing process. So the lack of transparency there leaves a lot of questions to be raised. Um, and the fact that it has gotten more expensive, like, okay, it seems great for things. Like, it's okay, I think, for things to get more expensive if there's more value being added yeah. for the players. Like, if there's more for them to do. But the issue there is that it is really difficult to add something else for people to do when the entire day Saturday is meant to be dedicated to playing in a tournament right so like yeah and and that's gonna you know that is the same as whenever regionals were free or when they were twenty dollars like your entire day is committed to playing in the tournament so you can add things like panels or you can add things like the artist that's coming to baltimore regionals to sign cards but at the end of the day you've got all these players who have to play in the tournament so they can't stand and wait in line to get a card signed or they can't go see a panel to see someone speak or they can't go play in these side events um because they're trying to play in the main event yeah i mean i guess that's what theoretically sunday is for when you drop right there is theoretically time but that is true like for a decent chunk of players you know you get to day two um you're not going to be able to do much of any if any um and now that i think maybe regionals did i think they were free i don't remember it's been so long like regionals definitely used to be free yes okay okay i was like i'm pretty sure yeah and i mean who knows like so you know back when like uh orlando regionals uh the first time they ever had the you know the five thousand dollars for first place uh that year regionals were like forty dollars i think i want to say maybe 35 40 30 or 40 Um, yes we don't know like back then were they just breaking even barely the trios like was that a break even and maybe this maybe more so around 60 is where it's reasonable for them to you know make that profit right 
now they finally bumped up to 70. So maybe that's why the scaling up feels so bad to us and looks so bad to us is because we don't understand that maybe back then they were just breaking even, right? Like maybe they were breaking even at 40. So now they're turning some profit at 60, but also the regionals have gotten so much bigger. I mean, I don't know the, like the square foot of humans uh, or like the, you know, the, the size of the venue versus how many people you need to register for the tournament to pay off that extra space you're getting, right? Yeah. Like people are working bigger and bigger tournament halls. How many more people do you need to show up to an event to compensate for that, right? Because we're going from, you know, 300-person regionals to 1,000-person regionals, right? You need to get a quite a bit bigger venue, and we're adding another game in Pokemon Go, so that yep. is already dedicated more judges, uh, more space, like just more space just off for the Pokemon Go players. Like, I don't know how much that stuff costs, so I don't want to just immediately assume that they're just kind of uh, farming the players in this instance for sure right but it's also interesting because some support does come from pokemon right like pokemon i think set like sets up the stages and stuff like that and like yeah has the um you know, the tablecloths and like the I banners the prize support like, as well i think yeah the prize support is like from pokemon so it, it really is just kind of a big confusing mess of who, what comes from who and where is the money going so um, I think that's where just so many of these questions kind of come up from players because it's really uncertain. And yeah. very I think maybe one of the one of the more reasonable uh, things to bring up is that seniors and juniors are paying the same amount with this, but their prize support is not the same as the masters players. If I'm not mistaken, I don't they think do have usual. they have the same kickers as we do, but they just don't. They're not going to get that. Yeah, yeah, they're not getting five k for first, right? No, I mean they would yeah. if there was two hundred of them or whatever. That's never existed ever. <laughs> I know. So, but they are on the same pay table as us because, like, okay, if, okay. We, if we only had a hundred masters, we would have the same. Yeah, but we know. like, but like you know, they're not going to get there. I feel like, and they haven't been charged the same. This is the first year that I think we've had registration be the same for juniors and seniors, right? This this is the first event ever, Baltimore. Yes, usually juniors or seniors is at least ten dollars, if not twenty dollars, cheaper than whatever the masters entry fee is. Yeah, and I actually uh, just they also up. play less rounds of a tournament, right? Their tournament is yeah. shorter. We play um, nine rounds of Swiss plus five or six rounds. Baltimore will be six rounds of day yeah. two Swiss, looking like a big tournament. So uh, you know we'll talk about Baltimore a bit more in the coming weeks. Uh, but juniors and seniors will probably play five or six rounds, uh, maybe seven. Yeah, and I actually just looked at the uh, Latin American regional coming up. Um, I don't know what the the conversion rate is. Um, or real, I believe is what it's called to USD. But for juniors and seniors, it's seventy real, and then masters is one ten. So um, there is a uh, a pretty big difference in the price between masters and juniors and seniors. It's one ten real. Yeah, that's twenty bucks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like twenty dollars compared to what ten dollars or. 70 real seven dollars yeah it's third it's like seven dollars okay so one, compared, one is, gonna, is like 22 dollars but yeah yeah i would even really want to compare i wasn't really compared to usd more so just that you know juniors and seniors for this regional they are paying less sure. right yes, yes um it is it is less and i did uh i saw natalie put out a tweet that last year australian regionals were effectively 24 dollars usd um yeah. so is it just U.S. getting screwed over, or is it just – I mean, our events are the biggest. Or our, the biggest. are the convention centers in the U.S. more expensive? Yeah, are they the, – the convention centers are more expensive. We have the biggest events by far. 
that's the biggest and the brightest, right? Our events are also streamed. Um, I mean, I assume Pokemon comes and sets up the stage and stuff, so I assume they're paying for any kind of internet fees and electricity fees or whatever that stuff might come up with, right? Like Pokemon puts on the production um, separate from the TO. So yeah, I don't even know how all that stuff works, and I'm like back there backstage <laughs> at these <laughs> things, so I just kind of show up and talk. So yeah, so I I would assume that would mean they uh um yeah they, they're not covering those costs either but once again like we don't, yeah as i'm saying we don't know um is the biggest thing so some transparency would be nice but it's another thing where it's like who's ever transparent with these kind of things like what kind of transparency do we want like when you go buy a ticket for an nfl game you're like all right where is this money going well where it will is, tell you it will tell you though like whenever you buy a ticket online it'll say ticket price and then it'll say um administrative fee and then it'll say okay, service sure. fee like, and stuff is that like that really telling you like what you want we, when we when we buy a uh you know when we register for a pokemon event we want it to be like all right this is going towards uh staffing staffing fee uh, service fee i think it would be nice for it to say cost of ticket and then service fee then administrative like i think that would be reasonable okay. for us to that i mean i think at least that i think that level of transparency should be considered the bare minimum personally all right i guess that is uh i guess that is reasonable that is reasonable i guess i could see that being okay but yeah i mean a little bit more transparency would be okay i guess but also i just don't like i don't i don't know if it's fair for us just to assume 70 is unreasonable i guess like i said I think it would be good to see the juniors and seniors paying less than the masters. I think that does just make sense. Yeah. Um, the more expensive it becomes for juniors and seniors, the less players there will be. And yeah. like the more exclusive of a club, it will kind of be because honestly, like juniors and seniors, uh, like the top level players, like it's a pretty good gig for them. Like if, yeah. if you're winning a lot of regionals or like top cutting a lot of regionals, getting these travel awards to the internationals, like it's a pretty good CT. setup. Honestly, <laughs> uh, you end up coming away with a decent amount of money um, and like travel for the family and stuff too. So it, it's, it's a good setup and it the kind of is just going to become, out. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. Before we close things out, though, one other announcement. I actually just noticed this on Twitter when I was looking for this tweet to pull up from Natalie that you mentioned. Uh, Christopher Shemansky, one of the head judges at a lot of these Pokemon tournaments, he was one of the head judges at the World Championships, tweeted out, PSA, the gold, character rare, etc. reprints in Lost Origin are not legal for Baltimore, Bilbo, and Porto... Porto Algeria, which is uh, the regionals in Brazil. I apologize if I said that incorrectly. I don't know why, but that is the law of the land at the moment, is what Christopher says. So, and that is a difference from the past. So usually, you know, Lost Origin. So Lost Origin pre-releases started this weekend. Usually, whenever a set is, you know, been released or it is coming out. Um, the cards from that set are able to be played if they've been reprint, if they're reprints of previous yep. cards. So one of the big examples I remember uh, from kind of recent years was uh, Decidueye from Guardians Rising, Decidueye GX. It got a hyper rare version of the card, a rainbow rare, where regular Decidueye was in uh, Sun and Moon base set. And I remember Guardians Rising came out and it wasn't legal yet, but people were playing these hyper-rare deciduous in their decks because they were able to get them from pre-releases or early buys or whatever it may be. Uh, so that is definitely 
an interesting thing to see. A little confusing, maybe, but definitely something to throw out there, though, for anyone who's maybe pulled, like, one of the character rare Mew Maxes or something like that and thinking that they want to put that in their deck. You can't do it. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. I don't think the penalties will be too harsh for those kind of things because the cards are the same. But yeah, just yeah. don't do it to begin with. Someone did ask um, in the replies to Christopher. So if an opponent plays such a card during said regional, should you call a judge and would there be a penalty? And Christopher's response was, I don't love the way that sounds like fishing for a penalty, but yes, a judge yeah. would be involved. Not going to prejudge what a, that penalty could be, though. That'll be for whoever is in the appropriate role at each event. Yeah, definitely don't. I like, I've been like speaking more heavily, but like, don't try and fish for a penalty in that way. If uh, your opponent does flip over that card, play the game against them and then tell them they should probably go switch their card and they should probably go talk to a judge and probably switch their card. Trying to win, beat your opponent because they're playing a Lost Origins card is that is the exact same card that they would now, have Now, if your is, opponent flips uh, over a Giratina V star, you should call a, yeah. card, a judge though, <laughs> or a, a Giratina V because that's a little different. But yeah, a reprint card that's like functionally the same, you know, it's like, yeah, I kind of feel that. Yeah, you don't need to win the, your game your game that way. Uh, for sure i actually just tried to look up at the bilbo they, they don't have their registration fee available i was actually curious what theirs was going to be but it's just not available um but apparently registration is supposed to go up like tomorrow i think got it so maybe we'll know we'll know by tomorrow no a day late unfortunately for us to talk about it but i'm curious actually now to know how much it does cost but yeah well, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. A long episode, but, you know, we had a lot to catch up on. Yep. Missed a couple weeks, or a week. So we will be back next week talking more about the EX cards, which have been revealed at the World Championships. We'll also have a few other things to talk about. And we'll start looking ahead to these tournaments coming up, kind of how the meta is evolving after the World Championships. You know, we've got these one more weekend of tournaments before Lost Origin becomes legal. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave us a rating on your favorite podcasting platform and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have way more viewers per episode than we have subscribers on the YouTube channel. So just click that little <laughs> subscribe button. It takes one second. Helps us out a bunch. I think we're pretty close to like 3,000 subs. So see if we can make that happen soon. Thank you so much for the support. It has been great. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can find myself at TrainerChip on Twitter. Azul is at Azul underscore GG. And you can also follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. And yeah, thanks as always for the continued support, everyone. You guys do all that, and we'll catch you next week. Peace. See ya.